Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with us in New York City. Are you ready? I know I am. Hey, I'm Alex Garrett, your host for this episode and everything Alex Garrett Podcasting. And this podcast specifically focuses on topics that should be trending. And, well, you know what they say, right? Oh, if the shoe fits, wear it. Well, that line means so much to me. Find out why next on Alaska Podcasting, where we wear that shoe proudly. This is another edition of Adapting with Alex. I don't know, it's just weird to me that the moving of a laptop from one studio to another to work in multiple spaces led me to this idea, but here we are. And I think talking about adaptation, talking about adapting, is one of the more feasible uh, things to talk about because I'm connected in that adaptive world, and someone joining me right now is in that world, Mr. Anthony Fitzgerald, who runs an adaptive sports program. But firstly, Anthony, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Alex. I'm glad to uh, be on with you. Now, I've known you for many years at the Viscardi School, Joe Salonica and the whole crew, Uh, but... Firstly, tell us your story and um, and what adaptation means to you. Well, um, Alex, I, you know, whenever asked, someone asks me to tell my story, I, I'm going to begin with I was born and raised in uh, Floral Park, Long Island, New York. Um, and up until the age of 26, I had a pretty normal life and childhood. At the age of 26, I was paralyzed in a car accident. Uh, July 16th, 1987, paralyzed from the waist down. I had a severed aorta. The steering wheel went through my chest. The fatality rate at the time for people with that type of accident was like 98%. Luckily, I had two great doctors to this day I'm grateful to who saved my life. Uh, They repaired my aorta, um, Dr. Wagner and Dr. Misra. Um, Most people who were paralyzed, Alex, well, it's a you know, traumatic accident and they break their back. In my case, the lack, the lack of oxygenated blood didn't get to my lower spinal cord and the whole lower half of my spinal cord uh, suffocated. Okay? It's called uh, uh, ischemia. So where I got from there, uh, I was, you know, using a wheelchair, um, unsure of my future and my fate. And then by good fortune, I ran into a guy named the, by the name of Bill Lair, uh, who is a grad alum of Viscardi High School, um, who told my parents about wheelchair basketball. Now, I was a lousy wheelchair basketball uh, player when my legs worked. And it's ironic to me that wheelchair basketball is the sport that saved my life. And it saved my life because it's what... It taught me to adapt, Alex, and it taught me to, uh, uh, it let me be with other people who were dealing with similar problems. And so it went from sport to almost like group therapy. Well, and that is an amazing thing. I I would say, um, if people don't know about the disabled community, that the sports is alive and well, wouldn't you say? I think that gets a little under coverage, but the sports world of the disabled community is alive and well. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Um, thank God, due to uh, in the intellect of man, our intelligence, 
our adaptability, our ingenuity, we've been able to compensate for not being able to move lower limbs or other parts of the body by having the right technology. Um, you know, the wheelchairs uh, of old were old clunkers. Wheelchair basketball was founded after World War II, right? Uh, veterans, uh, both on the East and West Coast, started shooting around in their hospital gyms, um, and they were using these 60-pound clunker wheelchairs, as we call them. Today, they're made of lightweight titanium uh, composite material, um, and they're just designed, they're more like go-karts than they are like wheelchairs. Yeah, uh, let me ask you this then. Obviously, during COVID, you haven't been able to do, uh, let me get a, a break it down for people, by the way. You guys do uh, wheelchair softball, wheelchair basketball, wheelchair uh, ice hockey, too, even if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I'm yeah, saying, what, else, what else do you guys do? Sled hockey. Uh, sled hockey. Well, we, uh, a lot of the guys play tennis and sled hockey, uh, as you refer to as wheelchair ice hockey, um, sled, the Canadians call it sledge with a GD in there. We just call it, uh, Americans shortened it and made it sound faster. And in many ways, we've made the game faster. Our USA team has won the last three consecutive gold medals um, in the U.S. Paralympics. Uh, and it's primarily because, well, a large part of it, it can be attributed to the fact that we have the largest number of double amputees. Less is more. So your arm strength to weight ratio in a hockey sled uh, really uh, works to the advantage of the participant or the player. Um, but, but sled hockey is where I achieved my greatest uh, success. I got in on the ground floor, and I played for the U.S. Paralympic team in Nagano, Japan, uh, in 1998 as a defenseman. So that's my first love. But it, the first sport that was got me involved in adaptive sports was basketball because sled hockey hadn't even evolved yet. Um, so, yeah, wheelchair sports, wheelchair tennis is big. We're always looking for new sports to participate in. Me and a bunch of the guys from Nassau County on my wheelchair softball team, the Aviators, we, uh, we do a thing called land crew. We called ourselves the landing crew. And in our wheelchairs, we use two hockey sticks with crutch tips at the bottom, and we propel ourselves uh, the way a cross-country skier would on cement, though, uh, on paper. That's pavement. so cool. Uh, and I've seen you do that a lot with when you wear a rollerblade going around New York City, Alex. And that's, again, how we adapt and how we use our ingenuity to uh, make things better for us. Well, one of my classmates, actually, in Queens College, Nikki Nieves, I'm sure you might have heard the name. She's got one arm, and she was on the U.S. Volleyball Paralympic team that won. And that was pretty cool oh, to wow. know someone on that team, uh, the gold medal team. She, she's great, and uh, hopefully bring her on to this series as well. But now, is there a company name that people can find out more about where they can involve? Obviously, during COVID, that, and I'm going to ask you about that in a second, but when all of the COVID stuff and, and we're back out there playing, where can people reach you to get involved? Um, Nassau uh, Aviators, we have a Facebook page, and they can find us through that. Um, my, my email is Fitzy sled hockey at yahoo.com Fitzy with a Y and, uh, yeah, we're always looking for people who want to get out there and be active. You know, we see it as uh, a way to exercise, to be outdoors, to socialize, to give support to other people who are 
facing the problems that you went through or are still going through. So it's really one big support group where, you know, we just have a great time. We, we love life. We live life. Well, it's fullest. And, and obviously life was halted and I'm glad you made the segue. So life was halted for a lot of people, disabled community as well through COVID. So how did you cope? First of all, how did you adapt to all of this uh, in the beginning of March? Well, COVID delayed the start of our season by a couple of months. Um, and being that it's an outdoor activity, uh, the risk assessment was a little better. But, we, you know, we, we make sure we keep our distance. We've adapted some of our rules uh, for softball. We, you know, we play off the base. There's no tag plays involved. Um, everyone is just staying a little further apart. Uh, and that's pretty much how we've adapted. I mean, we're staying six feet and we're wearing masks. Uh, not while we're actually playing. Some it, players choose to. Because Anthony, everybody's I different. did not know that. That is awesome. And I'll tell you why. In addition to just not stopping life, it's it's also that, you know, you guys are saying, we're not going to we're not gonna let this stop us. I think that's the most important thing for everybody to remember, right? No doubt about it. No, I, I can't emphasize that enough that, listen, God bless and God speed all those people who've died. And my heart goes out to them and their families. But um, the show must go on. And at some point, you know, as people with disabilities, luckily what saved me was my optimism and my positive attitude and my ability to make lemonade out of lemons and twist horrific events, somehow turn them upside down and make life good again. And even in the face of this pandemic, that's exactly what we had to do. We, we have to stay positive. We cannot be dominated by fear. Um, I'm not saying to cross the street with your eyes closed. Don't be reckless. Be careful. Be cautious. But get out there and enjoy life to its fullest while not endangering anyone else. And, that, and that's what we're all about, and that's what we're doing. Now, positive. you guys play – are you playing – are you playing at City Field, or where are you guys playing now? Well, uh, we play wheelchair softball at Eisenhower Park in East Meadow, Long Island. Um, just over the last couple of weeks, we've transitioned to playing football. Um, which of the major sports, hockey, basketball, uh, baseball, football, football imitates the real game less effectively. All the other sports really imitate it very well. Um, football, because obviously there's not the physicality involved from a tackling point of view, but there is blocking, and it's about good wheelchair position and good wheelchair maneuverability. Um, so that's what we've transitioned to at this point. Everybody's welcome to come down. We meet Monday nights at around 6 p.m. Oh, we had this conversation in person. I remember that now. Um I got to get out there one of those days. And even in the cooler days, hopefully you guys keep this going. Uh, Anthony, obviously you love sports. And when you say I saw sled hockey, I automatically thought you're an Islander fan and all that. Have you got pro teams involved before? I know you have. So tell us about that. Um, we, I mean, in my when I was training in 1996 and 97, the Islanders uh, were very supportive of me. And had a fundraiser. Back then, uh, USA Hockey was not behind the U.S. Paralympic team. And players really almost had to pay their own way. Uh, so the Islanders had gotten involved that way. 
The Islanders are also uh, a big supporter of the Long Island Rough Riders sled hockey team, which practices out of Beth Page, um, and, and they're very involved there too. The Rangers have also supported a sled hockey team, uh, the uh, Wheelchair Sports Federation Rangers, um, which I've been fortunate enough to play with uh, for many, many years. And uh, and the Mets also helped you guys out too, right? I mean, they've they've let you guys play at City Field, and I think they even played with you, or at least had Mister Met out there, from what I saw from pictures, a couple times. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no doubt about it. The Mets have been uh, really, really generous to us. The Yankees as well, and uh, I've had the privilege of wearing Yankee and Met jerseys over mm-hmm. the years, uh, playing national uh, tournament. We won the national championship in like two thousand and. Uh, 13 uh, as a Mets rep, uh, sponsored team out in Minnesota. So that was a nice, uh, great experience for us. One reason that I'm, I'm really starting to want to develop the adaptation idea and talking about this is I think there are still people out there afraid to adapt. What did you say? And what would you say to those people today? Um, well, as Benjamin Franklin said, never take counsel of your fears, right? <laughs> don't be afraid to try something. Uh, you, it's important to know your limits, but it's also to—it's also important to push yourself a little out of the comfort zone. Uh, many of the guys on my wheelchair softball team did not want to play sports. There's a stigma, negative stigma, about having to get into a wheelchair. Oh, I only have a limp, or I'm an amputee and I can walk with crutches. Again, these sports chairs today are more like go-karts. And don't don't let anything be a barrier, uh, especially fear, to prevent you from getting out there, being active, exercising. Exercise is the the only true fountain of youth, you know, along with good nutrition and good rest. You know, you need to get out there, and and there's a great support piece um, and socialization piece to be out there with people again fighting similar problems. Anthony, I want to go back to you. So you're 26. You have this horrible thing happen, and yet you adapt. How did you? How long did it take for you to do that? And then how? When did you truly become comfortable with yourself to say yes, I can do this in this kind of state right now? Wow, Alex, that's a heavy, heavy question, and I'm glad you asked that because uh, it took a lot. Um. And it's really a miracle. Uh, you know, I, I, I was, I'm, I've been religious off and on in, at times in my life. And uh, I kind of like Lieutenant Dan at one point from Forrest Gump. I, I cursed God or at least raised my fist up to him and said, why? But what saved my life, apart from wheelchair basketball, which there were two things that saved my life. Just before I got paralyzed, I was reading a book. And the name of the book was called The Power of Positive Thinking by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. So that book literally saved my life in two ways. The first way it saved my life was as they were laying me down on the operating table. I mean, I was uh, uh, hel- uh, heli-vacked. Uh, a benefit of the Vietnam era where they learned to get people out of there quick by helicopters off of uh, Route 5 down in uh, Maryland, Baltimore, Maryland area, after the car accident. 
Um, and I was crying. I was screaming. I broke my right arm, my left femur. The steering wheel caved in. It went through my chest, severed my aorta. And I was begging God, please let me live. Question mark. Please let me live. Please. And then I remember the book. And it was, the book said to assume the positive. And that was, this is a real miracle in my life. So I went from, while on that operating, like just before they put me down on that table, I was just like, don't cry and beg. Assume it. So then I went to, please, God, let me live, to thank you, God, for letting me live. Thank you, God, for letting me live. I assumed the positive. I immediately calmed down. The doctors were able to sew me back together. I have a, a vortex graft in my aorta. My heart stopped beating three times on the operating table. The one doctor who walked by my hospital room a week or two after the surgery would always shake his head and look at me and smile. And one day I asked him, I go, Dr. Wagner, what's up? He goes, he goes, I gave up on you. He goes, it was Dr. Misra, who was the main surgeon. He's the one who saved your life because you're, you, you're, all your vital signs were gone by the third time. And this one doctor kept pumping on my heart, Dr. Misra. So what helped me adapt and what helped me thrive was this, the power of positive thinking inspired by God and written by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. And the other thing that helped me live and survive and regroup and pick up the pieces was just positive thinking in general. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention the love and support of my parents, my family, and my friends, and my faith, and my, my education. You know? Amen so to the, that. The two men. Amen to that. But, uh, and that's the truth. And uh, it's, it's and emotional. You, doing, just... uh, you, say, you talk about this at 20, when you were 26. What were you doing before 26? Uh, that's a, well, it, the interesting part of that story, and I always want to add this, is my, my brother Daniel Fitzgerald, invite, Daniel Thomas Fitzgerald, invited me down to Maryland to come work with him. At the time, I was a struggling stockbroker on Long Island. You know, I wanted to make it big. I wanted to be rich and have a sports car and all these things. And being from Floral Park, a suburb of New York City, either, you know, a third of my friends became cops, a third became stockbrokers, and I don't know about the other third. But um, so I was a stockbroker, and um, my brother Dan knew that I was, you know, I had one month where I'd make a lot of money, one month where I wouldn't. And he offered me stability and he offered me a chance to genuinely be happy in, in your work. And, and, and for the first Anthony, did we lose you? I'm with you there? Yeah, I'm here. I, yeah, we there? just lost you for a minute. I'm here, though. I got you. Oh, must have been, must have been the cell phone connection. So my brother Dan... Uh, invited me down to Baltimore, Maryland. That's what I was doing before, and that's what I was doing down there. Sadly, my brother Dan was killed in that car accident on July 16th, 1987. So it was a double tragedy to my parents. I was cut in half, and my brother Daniel was killed. So prior to that, I was a stockbroker. I was an insurance uh, claims examiner in lower Manhattan. That's where I met the love of my life, Donna Kennedy, uh, at work. And um, up until 26, I, I had it very good. <laughs> I got Anthony, to go away to college up to Niagara University. 
I feel like I talked to you for hours. Yeah. Cause we've just, I, you know, we've seen each other around. I've never known the whole story. Well, a because I was about what started at seven years old, and we just always talk sports and all that. But I'm glad to finally hear your <coughs> your story. Excuse me. Um, so then, sports did help you heal, right? I think we, what we saw after 9/11, what we see time and time again, is sports helps us heal. And I would say adaptive sports also helps us heal. Oh, without question. Without question, it's one of our mantras. When we're at the at our shed in Eisenhower Park for the wheelchair softball team, we're getting people who were recently injured uh, trying trying hand cycling. In other words, our motto is we're changing lives, one adaptive sport at a time. I love that mantra, changing lives, one adaptive sport at a time. Uh, and Viscardi does an amazing job. You know, I've had Joe on before with the wheelchair basketball program, with all the different things they do. Um, are you involved with Viscardi too, or, or are you just friends with us? Like, do you, do you still have involvement there as well? Well, I used to have a work relationship uh, with, uh, I was the liaison to uh, the Viscardi Center as a representative of New York State. Uh, and then I was fortunate enough to be invited down for sports night. And I, you know, I have helped out. I've helped Joe a little bit in the past. I've been a, uh, a referee for basketball and things like that. But I'm a big supporter and, and friend of the of the center, no doubt. Absolutely, and I miss everybody. Although I love that they're able to do the hybrid. I guess they're in Monday, Wednesday, you know, Thursday or something like that, which is great. I mean, that's, you know, you got to let these kids out of the house, right? So I'm glad they're able to, to do that for Viscardi in a safe way. Um, and then, yeah, with your work, I do want to touch on that for a minute because you are trying to help people adapt to speech and whatnot. So what, you're a vocational counselor. If you want to talk about that for a bit, I'd love to hear your story on that too and what you do there. Well, you know, yeah, and, and this ties into the bigger picture of life, right? You want balance in your life, your work, your home life. Um, and, it, you know, work is not just about work. It's about having purpose, about being a productive contributing member to society right um that's who we are so i've recently just retired and you know i'm jokingly thinking you know i want to i i want to become a purpose fulfillment center because there's you can help people with disabilities go to work and that's what i do i would prefer to help them find their careers but i would love to help them find their purpose and their meaning in life and that is a much bigger picture and encompasses you know a lot more um, and it, when, you know, when people talk about, I just want to make a living or it's my livelihood that really, uh, demonstrates the importance of work as a part of life. So when you cut work out by shutting down the economy, which I understand why and why we did it and everything else, but you're really impacting people in a very, you know, severe way that can have profound long-term effects. Absolutely, and I'm sure you've changed many lives as a counselor. Hey, because I also love to talk about the news, and I know you do too. You've been posting a lot about the news lately and everything. I gotta ask, Amy Coney Barrett's probably gonna be confirmed today. Um, how big of a role does the Supreme Court play in the disabled community? Do they help us at all? Um, you know, of course, of course they they, they help us. Um, you know. Uh, the ADA just had a big anniversary, right? Um, and 
and uh, we just, you know, what do we, I think we just hit 30 years, right? So, um, yeah, the, the legal system is very important for defending uh, the civil rights law, which is what ADA basically is, to help people with disabilities in all aspects of their life, life right? From access to, you know, access to government, access to uh, private facilities, access to employment, access to transportation. I'm, I'm proud to say that uh, right across the street from where I live, the Long Island Railroad Station here in Floral Park is about to have two brand new elevators completed. And that makes Manhattan a, just a hop, skip, and a jump away for me. That is so awesome. And by the way, with the ADA, I always advise people don't – I don't know. Maybe you get offended with the term, but I don't like it. I feel like sometimes people might use it to weaponize a business. I don't like that either. So there's got to be a balance. What did you say? Like you, you got to be – Oh, yeah. Uh, no. Of course. Of course. And that's – you know. That, that that's the beauty of a universal design or a universal approach. We're not we're, we we the disabled market or individuals with disabilities. We are consumers, and people want us to have access. Um, so it's good for the economy. It's good for everyone. It's you know it, it's almost an insurance policy for society because one day. Uh, either someone you know or love will be injured or you yourself will age to the point where you need more accessible, uh, a, a more accessible environment, right? Absolutely. So, you know, uh, but at the same time, we can't, we can't, uh, you know, excuse the pun, cut the legs out from small businesses and have them incur large expenses. But, you know, the average reasonable accommodation is under like $300. So we're That's not going to really put anyone out. And, and the demand on larger corporations is is exactly that. It's it's commensurate with the size of the corporation. So the bigger they are, yes, the more the demands the ADA make upon them to make everything fair and level the playing field. One other thing, and I think adaptation as I'm talking about this, um, I feel like we all have to work to smash stigmas because there are those that still exist out there. So... I would say adapting even to the environment around you, isn't that going to help you smash stigmas because it'll help you get more involved more, no, with the able-bodied community and whatnot? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, when I think of stigmas, they're definitely still out there, and uh, it's our duty and responsibility to crush them as best we can. Um, Words are powerful, right? Uh, I think uh, Victor Khaleesi, the commissioner, recently wrote a good article uh, talking about the power of words and how important it is to use the right words. Um, so, yeah, I mean, amongst ourselves uh, on the team, on the sports team, we we use some kind of off-color humor to sure. make to add levity to the situation, to make us laugh a little bit at ourselves and our disabilities which makes that cross a little easier to bear and to carry when you can laugh at it, even if it's for a split second. Um, so, but we make sure we're careful around other people, you know, when we're around able-bodied or non-disabled, not to use those kind of jokes because we don't want them to think it's okay or commonplace. Um, very very true. <laughs> uh, by all means, the... we, we want the world to be a better place. And, uh, but no, it's true, you know, and that's the other thing about the, the community is that we joke around with each other. I think people 
who are on the outside looking in don't realize that or don't think... Well, A, sometimes I feel like they don't think we have humor unless we talk to them. And B, it's just like they, they really don't know the internal of the community that we all bust each other's chops anyway. So um, there's that. Yeah, it's, it's therapeutic. <laughs> Very much. Therapeutic ball breaking. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Anthony, well, and actually this ties into another thing I talked about yesterday is that for me, when I see someone look at me, I don't care, but I just see that it's like, I got to say hi, or they're going to think I'm like just a robot on wheels. That's my mentality. So I don't know. I just feel like saying hi to people is very important. Um, if you have a different thing than, than most people. Uh, one last thing though. One thing that people don't know about you, Anthony Fitzgerald. Oh, you, oh you're asking me. Oh, I, oh, I get what you were saying, uh, Alex, that, yeah, you say hi to people. I mean, right. There used to be a stereotype about New Yorkers where we we're not that friendly or we don't say hi. I go out of my way to say hi to people. You're right. Because sometimes they just stare at us like, you know, wow, you're in a wheelchair. What's up? And, uh, and I just smile and I say, how you doing? And it immediately, it's, and it's I want them to break, know that I'm a person, break. you know, I'm not just some robot on wheels. I'm a person that, that talks to people, you know? So that's kind of why I do it too. Yeah. But your form of locomotion through New York city must get a lot of, a lot of looks um, where you use your, don't use your crutch tips with a rollerblade one, right? Yeah, I still do. And by the way, I've learned to actually lift up my wheel crutches and just roll on one leg. I mean, the balancing is just fun. I, I don't know how I started to do that, but I just do that now for multiple blocks, lifting up my crutches and, and you, going. So. Well, you know, that's, that, 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 that's great training for sled hockey and that we're going to recruit you. Um, guys, they've been trying to get me to, uh, my listeners, they've been trying to do this for years. It's happening again. That's okay. Uh, I want to do it, though. I do want to, I want to find time. I'm, I'm bringing you in, Alex. I'm bringing you in now. Um, as far as what, you want to know one last thing about me that's unique? Well, that, that, yeah, that no one knows about, though, that, that, that you've not told anybody, but you'd want to reveal on this podcast. Uh, hmm, wow, you, you're really, hmm. Oh, I'm an aspiring guitar player. More like a hack. How's that? <laughs> well, let us know when you're gonna play, man, and I'll I'll come out and support that too. It's good that you have all these uh oh oh, oh. things juggling. Oh, if you I will. just thought of something better. My 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 bucket list dream is to sing the national anthem before an Islander game. There you go. Hey, by the way, that move to Belmont's gonna help everybody. New York City Islander fans and. Long Island Islander fan. I think that's a good compromise. So I'll have to see how that goes. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. You're not. You're a Ranger fan, right, Alex? And but you know what? The city was beaten down by Corona. That I wanted the Islanders to do something because they were like the only feasible winner right now, and I think they still are. I mean, <laughs> I I don't know what the Rangers yeah, are going to do. Nothing wrong with that. We're going to have to see. But Anthony yep. Fitzgerald, thanks so yep. much for joining Adapting with Alex, and we'll have you again soon. Thank you, Alex. Go get him. Amen to that. I'm Alex Garrett. Come and adapt with me each and every episode.